Hey, good morning, East Point. It's great to see you all. Hey, uh, this week we are on week six of the seven letters from Jesus to the church, to the churches uh, in the book of Revelation. Uh, and so we thought that since this week's message is about endurance, I don't know if you know this or not, but the original marathon was actually ran from a town named Marathon uh, to, uh, to Greece, to Athens, in order to deliver the message of the important victory that had been won. And so we thought that since this is an important message, we would have it delivered marathon style. And so we tried to find the best marathon runner in our church that we could, uh, and we found Chuck Burkle. And so Chuck is actually going to be running the message in from his home in Pataskala. We have him on camera. We're going to check in with Chuck and see how he's doing here. Chuck, are you there? Hey, Dustin. I got the letter. I wrapped it in plastic so I don't sweat on it. I'll see you soon. All right. Oh, boy. Okay, so he is just now leaving Pataskala. Um, okay, well, uh, you might need to sing a few more songs before he gets here. All right. Well, let's just continue in worship while we wait for Chuck and the letter to arrive, okay? Well, hey, here, as we are uh, waiting on our letter and anxiously awaiting its arrival, let's go ahead and check in on Chuck and see how he's doing with the letter delivery. Hey, Chuck, Chuck, are you, is he outside? Oh, no. Chuck, Chuck, you can't, you can't stop, Chuck. You've got to keep on going. We're not, you're not going to have the time. I just wanted to mingle. Oh. oh, my. Well, we're kind of stuck without a letter, and looks like Chuck's in a lot of pain, so I've got to do something painful as well. I've got to give you a financial update. How's that sound? So, oh, yeah, transitions. They're great. Uh, hey, we announced a couple weeks ago where we're at financially and just where we need to go as a result of COVID and some of the other things that have happened in the life of the church. Uh, and basically what we've announced uh, is that our, our bare bones budget is just above six, 61000 a month is what we need in giving. Uh, really what we need in order to really thrive and to start taking steps forward is just over 70000 now, where we were at in the month of September was just over 50,000. So, obviously, you can tell there from the discrepancy, we can't continue at that rate for very long. That will eat into our reserves very quickly. Uh, and that's just something that we're going to keep you up to date on this at least once a month, but we're also going to celebrate what's happening as a result of our giving and our partnership. And so, those are just things that we want to keep in front of you. Uh, I know that. After, you know, doing all the behind-the-scenes work on this, and I was like, okay, well, we, we'll see what happens here. Uh, but then after seeing this update, I knew that was something Krista and I already had a talk. Like, we know personally we need to step up our giving, uh, and that's something that we're going to do uh, and uh, plan on doing very soon as a result of all this. So uh, that also leads us into uh, our next point, um, which when you came in this morning, you probably received this sheet of paper, this half sheet. If not, you'll see it on the way out. Uh, you can grab one of these, and this is our, uh, our three days of prayer and fasting that we're doing October 27th through the 29th. That's this Tuesday through Thursday, um, and uh, we have some more information of that available on our website. But what we're encouraging you to do uh, is to fast for these three days. Now, for some of you, fasting, giving up food, is not a good medical decision, Okay. Um, we understand that, and that's okay. Fasting from food is not the only way to fast. In fact, there are some other very effective ways of fasting. I did a little trial run this last week, uh, and in addition to like food, I also threw in news, 
uh, and social media. And let me tell you, it was the best three days. <laughs> uh, it, didn't, it, it felt like I was getting rewarded more than I was giving something up. Uh, and because we get so bombarded by those things that we begin to think that our culture is most important as opposed to realizing that God is most important and the one that can center us. Uh, and so we gave uh, several different ideas on there. But I also want to let you know that Thursday evening at 6.30, we're going to gather here at the church. Uh, if you're available, we'd love to have you out in our foyer area. Uh, and we are going to break the fast together at 6.30. We're going to have a time of prayer for about a half hour, and then at 7, we'll eat. Uh, Christy Brown is helping to put that together. And so if you want to give her a call on that, uh, her number's on there. If you want to help out with that at all, that's great. Um, but man, I really want to encourage you to like... Um, to, Think about this with your family as well. Like if you have kids, like this is a great way to get your kids involved. Now I also put on here, like if you have children, do not do a food fast with them, okay? That's a good way to get the, the, the family services called on you, okay? Uh, that's not a good idea for children, um, but it is a good idea to cut out things like tablets and social media and things like that because kids need to be recentered too. And what we're learning about screen time is just flat out scary with kids, okay? Uh, and so I can tell you that we're going to have a couple rough days with our kids this week, but we think it's going to bear a lot of fruit because parenting isn't always fun, believe it or not. I know. Um, so anyway, so that's something we really want to encourage you to do. Uh, and take a minute and read through this after the service so that you can see uh, some details about fasting. We have some ideas about things you can give up if you do do a food fast, if you, if you also do a food fast, I should say. I uh, try to keep from saying doo-doo as much as I can. If you also do a food fast, uh, I do have some tips on the back there for you as well for how you can do that healthy. Drink lots and lots and lots of water is the first key. All right, so I think that we are getting closer with Chuck. Let's go ahead and close in and close back in here to Chuck and see how... All right, it looks like he has arrived. He's not looking too good there, is he? All right, so hey, uh, so what we're going to do is... Chuck, are you all right? You, you need some help? All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to welcome in Chuck. Let's help Chuck get to the top. Let's say Chuck, 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 Chuck. Come on, buddy, you can do it. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Come on, let's cheer for him. Come on, Chuck. Let's go. Come on, Chuck. Sometime today it'd be nice. Oh, are you, you going to make it? Are you okay? All right, all right, all right. Well, come on, you got to finish the race, Chuck. That's part of it. All right, uh, all right. Hey, Chuck. All right. Oh, no. Oh, oh. Chuck, are you, are you all right? Are you, are you all right? I guess that's a part of the marathon story I forgot to tell you earlier is that the runner actually did die at the end of it. That's why they kept doing it. But I, I, think, I think Chuck's all right. Uh, Chuck, did, did you at least bring the letter? Oh, okay, okay, thanks. Hey, could we, get, could we get somebody over here to get him off the stage here? I got to preach, and I can't have this up here on the stage. All right, here we go. Uh, all right, here we go. Let's get him over here. So the, the Burkles are actually uh, Michigan fans, so they're used to rolling dead bodies off the field. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's, hey, let's give Chuck a hand. All right. <laughs> hey, it is late October, and both Michigan and Ohio State are undefeated. 
um, which is kind of a cheater's way to say that, I guess, this year. But uh, so, so here we go. We've got the letter this week to the church at Philadelphia. Uh, and uh, not the one in Pennsylvania, but the Philadelphia, the original one here that started in ancient Greece and then on into Rome as their culture shifted. Uh, but let me just start off with this and see if you can finish this sentence for me. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but, but words will never hurt me. Man, what a lie. <laughs> What a lie. Sticks and stones might break, might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And I think we told that to kids for a long time. I know I heard that growing up because we wanted kids to be resilient and to be tough. But what we end up doing is we end up covering up the power of words. And the reality is, is that words can pierce us far more deeply than any sword can. Because it doesn't just affect our physical stature, but it affects our hearts. It affects the very core of our identity when we hear words of falsehood that are spoken about us or words of slander that are meant to tear us down. And this is the story of the church in Philadelphia. It is a story of a small band of believers, a band of people who worship together, starting off in the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue, as so many of the churches did, as Jewish believers, people who believed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, but what happened is that a majority of the people in the synagogue didn't wind up believing in Jesus. And in fact, what happened is the majority of the synagogue used words to tear them down, to promote falsehoods about them and what they believed. And ultimately, it seems from the book that they wound up being banished from the synagogue themselves. This just wasn't their church that they chose when they moved to town. Chances are that the Jewish synagogue would have been literally their flesh and blood, their own family. Can you identify with that? Can you identify with the slander that someone has said about you? And maybe you've experienced something like this before from a church leader. Maybe you've experienced it from someone that you used to respect and even looked up to. Worst of all, maybe you've even received this from a family member or a parent, a mom or dad who helped raise you, and yet because of your choice of faith or the way that you practice your faith, they have told you such hurtful words that have just got downright nasty. Words like, we can't believe you'd ever do this to your father and I. We don't even know if you are a true believer anymore or not. And Satan is really working through you. I've heard words like these before, directed at me and directed at others. And there's only one way to classify these terms, and that is spiritual abuse. Just like people can be abused physically, they can also be abused spiritually. And spiritual abuse, as I've said, is different because it cuts to the core of your identity, to the pain of your existence. And let me just say this from the get-go, that I also want to encourage us to be very careful today with the words that we use towards others. And sometimes that happens in our own family, 
It's probably going to happen in a month or so when we gather around the Thanksgiving table. It's going to happen about the discussions about who we did or didn't vote for. It's going to happen about what church we do or don't attend. We need to be extremely careful with those words. And we also need to continue to build up our identity in Christ so that we can stand Satan's attacks. Because spiritual abuse is what happens when Satan's lies become people's lies. When we start to hear from people what Satan wants for us to hear, and a part of our mind starts to believe that it is true, even if we know in our mind and in our heart it's not, a part of our mind and heart is deceived into thinking that just maybe we really are worthless. That we really are doing things wrong. That we really are crazy for living for Christ the way that we do. In short, this letter is about enduring rejection. How is it that we can endure rejection as human beings? How is it that we can come out on the other side resilient? And so in this letter that we receive from Jesus is going to be very different than last week. While last week's letter had very little to compliment and very much to rebuke, this letter is filled with compliments and pick-me-ups from Jesus because this is a church that needs encouraged. And maybe you are a person who needs encouraged today as well. If so, this letter is for you. You need it, and you deserve it. So what do I need to remember when I face rejection is our question today. And here is how Jesus opens up his letter. He says, write to the angel or the messenger of the church in Philadelphia. Thus says the Holy One, the True One, the one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will close, and who closes and no one opens. So what's the first thing I need to remember when I face rejection? The first one is that God is holy. So what he says here is that he is the holy one. Now, in order to understand the book of Revelation, we must understand that according to some counts, there are over 500 references not to the future, but to the past, to the Old Testament. And so, uh, so John is constantly looking back to the Old Testament for the way that we're supposed to understand the book. And when he says the Holy One, there is one image that comes to mind in particular, and that is when Jesus uh, excuse me, when God reveals himself to the prophet Isaiah. Maybe you remember the song, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. That is actually uh, because of um, this statement in Isaiah where God reveals himself to Isaiah. Isaiah is in the temple and, and the angels around the throne are shouting, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and as they're shouting that, Isaiah's response is, Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. Uh, and so the Lord actually has the angels fly with a, with a coal from the altar to purify his lips. Um, and, and then basically Isaiah's response after he is purified is to say, Here am I, send me. 
And normally when we're preaching that passage, that's where we end the story. But that's not how the New Testament authors thought about the story. Because what happens next in the very next verse from, from, the, from the book of Isaiah is that, is that Isaiah says, or the Lord says to Isaiah, go, say to these people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. And go and keep that scripture up on the screen if you would. Because this is so important. Basically, the message that Isaiah says, Isaiah's like, here I am, send me, which we would think would be like quoted in the New Testament over and over and over again. It's a great response. But the message that Isaiah receives from the Lord is, oh, by the way, you're going to get nothing but rejection in return. People are not going to respond. And do you know that this ties for first place and the most quoted verse in all of the New Testament. The most quoted verse, the most quoted Old Testament scripture in all of the New Testament, and it's quoted uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in Acts. Okay? And then, and then the book of Romans actually alludes to it, doesn't actually quote it. The most quoted verse from the Old Testament and the New Testament is about how people will reject God. And if you are God's messenger, as a result, you will also feel rejected. Do you know who quoted this the first in the Gospels, all four of the Gospels? It's Jesus. Jesus is constantly reminding himself that people are going to reject him. And that ties for first as the most quoted. Do you remember that God is holy? Because if God is holy then we can remind ourselves over and over again, this is not about people accepting the message. This is about us responding faithfully to God. Secondly, we see in that passage that we need to remember when we face rejection that God is true. Thus says the Holy One, the true one. We need to remind ourselves that God is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he also said that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Why do we need to remember that he's the true one? Because what we have against us when we are facing rejection is lies coming against us. Not just lies that they're rejecting about Jesus, but lies that cut to the very core of who we are. Jesus is saying to this church in Philadelphia, I'm the holy one, I'm the true one. Because and there's a little bit of them that's facing rejection to such a degree they're beginning to question this at the core of their being. They need to be reminded that Jesus is the true one. And finally, to people who had been shut out of the synagogue, shut out of their family, of their friends, of their loved one because of their belief in Jesus, Jesus reminds them that no one can shut the doors that God has opened. When the door is shut in your face, you have to remember either God hasn't opened that door or he really didn't even shut that door. It's still open. When a human being shuts the door in your face, you've got to remember they're not the one who ultimately holds the handle on that door. It's God. And even though that door might look shut, it's God who's going to open and shut the doors. He's the one that's in control. He's the one that we have to trust in. He is sovereign and we can trust in him. And so the first three things we need to remember when we face rejection. God's holy, 
God is true. And no one can shut the doors that God has opened. There's a few more things that we need to learn about rejection because let's face it, rejection is more than, overcoming rejection is more than just a three-point sermon. In verse 8, Jesus says, I know your works. Look, I have placed before you an open door that no one can close because you have but little power, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Then what else we need to remember when we face rejection is this, is that God is looking for faithfulness, not success. Nowhere in the Bible are we ever instructed that we are supposed to be successful. However, we are reminded repeatedly that we are supposed to be faithful to God and to his word. And so this American obsession that we have with success is exactly that. It's a Western thing. It's a European thing that says that our identity is only defined by our success. And as some of these churches are spreading like wildfire, this church in Philadelphia is struggling to get by. They don't feel like they have any power at all. They're completely vulnerable. And Jesus says, that's okay. Because he didn't call churches to be successful. He called us to be faithful. And what we will find is if we are faithful in proclaiming God and his word and staying true to that, and if we are faithful in being a praying people, that God will grow up the fruit over time. But roots always come before fruit. And if we start to get the fruit before we get the roots, we are just going to be a top-heavy tree that cannot stand the test of a storm. And so we're not, in it at, we're not in it here at East Point for the short term. We're in it for the long haul. And that means that in this season of trial, it's time to grow our roots deeper and deeper. And it might mean that we don't see all, all kinds of fruit for a while. I hope it's not long, but we might not see fruit immediately, and that's okay. The question is not, are we being successful? The question is, are we being faithful? Because that is what God has called us to. And that is so tough for me to get through my thick skull. I've just got to be honest with you about this, all right? I am so wired for success. I am so wired to what's next, what's next, what's next. And when God says, why don't you just grow for a while? Why don't you just grow those roots? I'm like, what? But the reality is, is that God hasn't wired Christians for the short run. He's wired us for the marathon. It might be a bad illustration today with what happened up here with Chuck, but you know. <laughs> so in verse 9, it continues. It says, note this. I will make those from the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews and who are not, but are lying. You see that there? That's a reminder of the truth that we talked about. I will make them come and bow down at your feet. Just like Joseph's brothers came and bowed down at his feet. So that will happen. But I want you to listen to this next line. And this is just such a central part of the letter. It says, and they will know that I have loved you. Because at the core of rejection is this idea that we are unloved. We are no longer loved is the lie that Satan wants us to believe. 
and the lie that is propagated by so many who come against us. And church, I love the fact that Jesus, in front of the enemies, he, he anoints our heads with oil here. He says, I will let them know. I will make sure they know that you are loved. Because that's one of the attacks and the lies that's brought against us is that we just aren't loved as much as other people. We just aren't blessed as much as other people if we undergo any type of rejection. And that is a lie from the pits of hell. When Jesus began his ministry, as soon as he came up from the waters of the Jordan River, God did not tell him, speak from heaven and say that he will be successful. But what he did was he reaffirmed Jesus' identity. And in Mark and Luke, it says that God the Father speaks and says, you are my son whom I love. I delight in you. I wonder if you'd hear those words from Jesus, or from God the Father to you as well today. Before Jesus had done anything, God the Father spoke those words to him. Do you believe those words are true about you? You are God's child. God loves you. And he delights in you. Do you believe that? Because it's true. Just turn to your neighbor and look him in the eye and say, you're loved. Okay, I know that was kind of awkward. That was the first time you did it, and you kind of laughed a little bit, and that's okay. That's what I do, too, when preachers ask me to say crazy things like that. But we need to hear that. Would you look again at your neighbor and just say, you are loved by God. Church, we need to hear those words every day. We need to be reminded of them so that we can stand the tax of rejection that come against us. In verse 10 it says, Because you have kept my command to endure, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is going to come on the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one takes your crown. Jesus is saying he's going to save them from the hour of rejection or the hour of testing that's coming here. We, we assume that's best meant to be understood as the persecution that's coming against all of Rome that's starting to happen when the book of Revelation is written that's coming against the church. But the reminder here is that Jesus is coming soon. And what we need to remember is that Jesus isn't just coming soon to take us to heaven. Jesus is coming here to restore heaven and earth as one. Jesus is coming to bring justice with him. Jesus is going to right all of the wrongs that have happened to us in our lives and all the wrongs that have happened throughout the entire history of the world. I, don't, I can't wrap my mind around what that looks like, but I promise you that it's true. Jesus will right every wrong. He will make it right. That is what justice is all about. Only he can bring justice that comes through resurrection. And he will do it. And he will do it soon. You know, one of the things about this whole idea of being a messenger that's rejected. I, uh, some people that, that I know go to nations where they may spend their entire lives in such a hostile environment that they might spend their whole life and never even see one person come to Christ. 
And it's not because they're not doing it right. It's because it is such rocky, unfertile soil that they have to work, 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 and sow so many seeds before they see anything actually grow. I was reminded of Chris Villawak, one of our missionaries that we support, former staff member here at East Point. He's been serving in Serbia for, I believe, a dozen years, and, and uh, it's been rough soil. Chris would be the first to tell you that it was not an easy go. It's very similar to what we've seen with some of our friends who serve in North Africa. It is just tough. And, and, and you face so much rejection that it eats away at your identity. And yet they've persevered, they'd have endured. And over the course of this past year, they've seen amazing results. They've started to engage people on social media and use that as a way to sort through those who are really interested and those who are not. And they've been able to get the gospel message in front. People have actually viewed uh, an ad that's 2,000, or uh, two, over 2 million views. Uh, and as a result of that, they've had over 41,000 links to their website, and they've had over 2,400 conversations with people. Because in a hostile environment like this, people are going to be more prone to chat online with you as opposed to in person. And then they keep on following that process down to where they get them a Bible, uh, to where they end up. Um, and and since, since April, from April to September, those roughly six months, they've seen 27 new believers, including four that have followed in Christ in baptism. And they've gone on to make 24 local disciple makers who are engaging 19 different cities in Serbia. And church, I just share that to say that's the power of what happens when we endure through rejection. That's the power of what happens when we keep on going. When, when the going gets tough, the Christians keep on going. And when it gets tougher, we keep on going. We keep on enduring. We keep on persevering. We keep on growing those roots and growing our identity that is constantly under attack. And share, Chris also shared this story of a new believer uh, that we see here in this next slide. Uh, and, and this is Van John. I know you can't read that up on the screen. It's too small. But he simply uh, responded to an ad back in July that basically just, just asked about, do you, do you believe that there's a higher purpose for your life? And that started a conversation that wound up in him being baptized here a couple of weeks ago. Church, what, what I want to say is that, is that, is that Rejection is extremely difficult. I know every time I mow my yard, I think about all the times I've been rejected. I don't know what it is about mowing my yard. I'm about ready to hire somebody to do it for me, but they probably just pop back up some other time. But when we go and get tough, the tough keep going. The tough endure, not because we're strong enough to do it on our own, but because we can only do it in Christ. And God will grow us deeper through rejection. The one word that keeps coming up is endure, 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 endure. In verse 12, the letter concludes by saying, The one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. One thing about Philadelphia is very prone to earthquakes. And they had earthquakes that come and devastate the whole city. And what John is here is he's saying, I'm going to make you so strong you're not only going to be a pillar in your community, you're going to be a pillar in God's temple, and that will never collapse. You see, they were actually at a place where the, the, the Romans had come at this point and had destroyed the Jewish temple. But God is saying through this that there's going to be, in essence, a new temple, and that you're going to be in the center of it as a pillar because you endured that rejection over and over and over again. 
It says, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. Let anyone who hears with, has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, when I think about that pillar in the temple, the one scripture that came up was the, second, or the, the other, the one that's tied for the first most repeated Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. You want to guess what that one might be? The first one was about rejection. What do you think this one's about? It's from Psalm 118, verse 22, and it's quoted five times as well in the New Testament, and it's this one. It says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That's speaking about Jesus. Because the reality is, is that we identify most with Jesus, not when we're successful, not when we have it all figured out, but we identify most with Jesus when we are rejected just like he was but we also become more like jesus when we find comfort in him when we are rejected church i know that a lot of us have prayed throughout the course of our lives we just want to be more like jesus and what i'm telling you is that god loves you so much that he's willing to let you be rejected on earth so that you can become more like his son. And that's not easy. And that's not something I wish on anybody, but the reality is, is that in your rejection, God is making you more like Jesus Christ. Is that something that you're willing to endure? Because it was worth it in the end for Jesus. And I promise you, it will be worth it for you as well. And so the one word you need to remember today is endure. 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 Because when you endure, God will make you more like Jesus. And that is what this world needs. Let's pray. God, I just confess to you that... I believe Satan lies in, in, in my own life when I have faced rejection. I have bought into so many of the lies that I've heard about myself from others or that I've heard from my failures or even that I've heard from my successes. And I just lay those at your feet, Jesus, and I just recognize that in the midst of rejection, you didn't call us to be popular. You didn't call us to be successful. You called us to be faithful. And Jesus, just as you were faithful to endure the cross, scorning its shame, we too can endure our crosses because we know that you are coming soon and that you will set this world right. And God, while we want to see this church bear much fruit, at the end of the day, we know that what's most important is that we are faithful to you and that when we're faithful, the fruit will follow. And so we trust in you, Lord, for endurance. We trust in you and pray that you would build up our identity. And Lord, we pray for those who, who might be struggling through that rejection. Maybe it's something that happened yesterday. Maybe it's something that happened last year. God, maybe it's something that they have been reminded of, the rejection they faced even as a child from their families. 
We pray that you would overcome that rejection in our lives. That you would heal us as we identify with Christ. Lord, as we identify with his rejection, may we be lifted by his resurrection. And may we know that you are the Holy One, the true one, and that nobody can open what you have shut and that nobody can shut what you have opened. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.